CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Welcome to Friday and Options Action, live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Melissa Lee. Here's what's coming up. Carter continues his theme of precision positioning within broader market swings. Tonight, deer as a catch-up play in the egg sector. Then, Tony puts renewables in a different light with a strategy around the TAN ETF. Finally, Professor Ko on how the Amazon split chops up more than just a stock and what you need to know before diving into its options. It's time to risk less to make more. Options action starts now. And let's get right to it. Shares of deer already up more than 10% year to date. But considering the broader commodities picture right now, Carter Worth thinks deer shares have more room to grow. Carter, what do you see? Well, I do. And I think it's a nice segue from the conversation you were just having on Caterpillar. Uh, so let's get right to it. Let's look at some tables and some charts. The first, of course, is, and you'll see it here, it's a table just uh, depicting deer's performance relative to important ag names. So there's CF Industries up 93, Mosaic is all on a trailing 12-month basis, uh, Nutrien 73, and, and you could put an Archer Daniels in here, Potash. But the point is, uh, Deer, while not a, a chemicals company, it is correlated and it has lag. So let's look at that in pictorial form. Here's a chart, and this is uh, what we've just seen in the table, uh, comparative lines, and you see they're essentially Ford uh, up a slight amount versus these things which are high flyers in the context of what's going on in the commodity space and in particular uh, to some extent what's going on in Ukraine. So the next uh, chart is a comparative chart and this is very interesting I think in the sense that Archer Daniels while not a of course a, a chemicals name is very tied to deer because these are the processors of grains uh, and the biggest uh, around and what you have here is simply a ratio chart You're looking at deer's relative performance to Archer Daniels. And every time we've come down a trend, it is bounced here. And that's the bet we're gonna make today. Finally, just a John Deere chart itself. And so you can call it an ascending uh, triangle, you can call it a, a wedge, it doesn't matter what you call it. After that huge run up from the March COVID low, the stock has been resting for a year. It is exactly the same price as it was 12 months ago. In fact, March 18th of 2021, it was at 392. And here we are, March 11, 2022, it is 389. Unch and ready to break out. Hmm. Thank you, Carter, for that. So, Mike, what's the trade here? Yeah, so obviously with what's going on right now between Russia and Ukraine and the big spike that we've seen in agricultural commodity prices, that is usually going to be a tailwind. Now, we actually have an aging tractor fleet and we have wheat prices, for example, that are up about 40% over the course of the last uh, several months. And to put some things in perspective, this is a stock that has historically outperformed when you see these big spikes. Now, small movements in commodity prices don't affect things like tractor sales that much. But when you start having big moves and the entire curve shifts up the way it has recently, that's when the stocks will tend to follow. So consider the following. Over the last 40 years, we've seen moves where wheat has moved 
up more than 20% in a three to four month period. That's about a two standard deviation move. We've seen it maybe 5% of the time. And the returns for deer typically on a three to four month forward looking basis thereafter are more than double what they are under normal circumstances and the stock's up about 70%. If you take a look at situations where wheat is up more than 40%, which is where we find ourselves now, this is a really rare circumstance. This has happened less than one time out of 100. But in these circumstances, the returns are even more substantial. It doubles again, close to 15% returns over the course of the next 90 to 120 days. Now, in this instance, only 10% of these uh, instances, actually, we have no results at all. And the reason for that, because those 10% all occurred this month. So I think the thing to do here is to, is to do a buy right, that is to buy the stock. We have elevated options premiums. That's a function of the environment in which we find ourselves. I was looking at the April 420 calls. You could sell those for $5.70. I always, when I'm looking at buy rights, you want to keep that expiration relatively near dated. You want to collect, in general, more than uh, 1% of the current stock price. I don't think it's worth doing otherwise. And you only want to do it when you give yourself some room to the upside. But we get that here. Actually, when I was looking at these at 570, the stock was closer to 380 than where it is 390 now. The whole idea here is to try to give yourself at least 10% room to the upside and a little bit of juice in the form of some premium. Tony, what's your take on the trade? Yeah, so it's very interesting because you see this stock has consolidated over the past 12 months. And whenever you have this, the question is what, what, whether it breaks out to the upside or to the downside. And we really have to look at the relative performance here of John Deere to decide whether which way it's going to go. And if you look at the relative performance here, we've seen a bit of silent rotation into John Deere relative to the market and relative to the sector since January of this year. And that points me to this breakout to the upside, as Carter was showing you in his charts. And especially if you look at the valuations here, John Deere is trading at a fairly small discount here to its long-term average of about 16 times next year's earnings. But if you look at the business, as they start to focus on this more higher tech automation business and reoccurring revenue, I think this is a stock that can be trading at 19, 20 times next year's rain, uh, earnings. So there's a substantial upside here from a valuations perspective. So if you look at Mike's trade here on the cover call, I think it's a great time to potentially get some exposure and reduce your cost basis by using the elevated implied volatility here. And just to put into perspective, Mike's trade is collecting one and a half percent of the stock's value in, in about 30 days. Compare that to the dividend yield here of John Deere, you're collecting about 1% for each full year that you hold on to that stock. So you're you're committing quite a bit of, uh, you're collecting quite a bit of premium here, reducing your cost basis and giving you a better uh, a cost basis for a long-term exposure here in John Deere. Carter, you get the final word here. Well, the question is, does it or does it not break out? At that point, this is why it's called the stock market or you're, you're speculating. We're speculating that it will. All right. From Deer to Daylight, check out the TAN solar ETF surging over the past month. The group getting a boost as oil prices continue to jump. Tony sees even brighter days ahead. So, Tony, what are you looking at? Yeah, I'm looking at the TAN ETF, and it's not just oil prices. It's also electricity prices that have ignited a bit of a, a, a re, um, interest in the solar ETFs here and solar panel makers here. And if you look at the chart here for a long-term chart here of TAN, what you see is that this, the ETF has rallied about 600% from that $21 low to that 125 high, but we've given back about 55% of that over the past year. 
But the $70 support level recently has held, and I think this is a base that could start forming uh, a, a further upside move here for 10. If you zoom in here to the shorter term chart, you see an inverted head and shoulders pattern starting to form here over the past couple of months. And that's confirmation that the, that the low that we've seen here over the past month or so is likely going to hold and we're gonna start to see some upside. And the inverted head and shoulders pattern actually targets about a 100%, a $100 upside by roughly the May timeline. So if you consider that and the implied volatility move that we've seen here in, uh, in TAN, uh, especially with the consumer price index here of US uh, electricity costs spiking and going relatively parabolic here over the past uh, six months or so, and the January spike here of about 4% just in January alone, I think this really is the thesis behind why we've seen a resurgence and in inflow into solar again over the past month uh, here for TAN. So by using the elevated implied volatility here in TAN, what I'm trying to do here is going out to the April 22nd weekly, op uh, weekly expiration, and I'm selling the 74.66 put spread here, collecting about $5.55 for that April uh, 70, uh, 74 put, and then collecting, uh, paying about $2.38 for that 66 put, collecting about $3.17 for this $8 wide put spread. That's about 39% of the width here, trying to collect as much premium as possible, playing for a breakout here on TAN. Um, Mike, I wanna get your take on the trade, but also your take in particular on renewables more broadly versus oil. Yeah, so this is a really interesting question. We've seen a big uptick in interest in renewables uh, recently. I think what's going on it's a combination of two things. We have much higher oil prices, and so that will often sort of ignite some excitement in the space. And then, of course, there's this question about having energy independence. Oftentimes, where we get our energy is not from our favorite geopolitical actors. The thing is, though, that when people are taking a look at solar, I think oftentimes they're being a little bit unrealistic about what its contribution to our future electrical needs are going to be. It's ironic, but believe it or not, if you invest in solar, you should probably be thinking about invest, investing in fossil fuels as well. And the reason for this is that solar and some other renewable sources like wind tend not to be completely reliable. Sunny sometimes, not at others. Windy sometimes, not at others. And consequently, you need other portions of your electrical generation to be able to meet those dips in supply when they occur. And that usually has to be met by something that can ramp up quickly. And that's typically fossil fuels. You're talking about coal, natural gas, and things like that. I mean, if you're going to invest in the need for electrical generation, I think you probably want to look towards nuclear. You're looking now at NRL and URA if you want an ETF to play it. But if you want to invest in solar, you probably need a barbell trade that involves, believe it or not, fossil fuels too. So there are a lot of choices, Carter, in one's energy portfolio to make. And so which chart, in your view, looks the best? Well, just uh, holding the chart, said, I had a conversation today, interesting, with uh, a sovereign wealth fund in, in Europe, and they were talking about 10 to 30 percent electricity inflation in 2022. I mean, just consider that. I mean, that's taking one to three percent off of GDP out of Europe. But either way, um, energy stocks, uh, fossil fuels are a bit steep. I'd rather go with something like 10. All right. For everything, everything Options Action, check out our website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter. Here's what's coming up next. Still to come, Professor Ko compares the Amazon split to pizza prices and how it changes your menu of options. 
Plus, calling all Options Action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at Options Action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when Options Action returns. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Options Action. This week, Amazon announced a 20-for-1 stock split. It's the first split since 1999 and the fourth since Amazon's IPO back in 1997. But a lot has changed in that time, and now this changes more than just Amazon shares. Professor Coe explains why and how to potentially play it. Mike. You know, so we uh, talked a little bit about what the impact for options are when you experience a stock split. So if you're wondering... Much like what happens to the stock, the number of shares increase and the share price decreases, something similar happens with options. So first, you would take the number of contracts involved and multiply that by the split quantity. So if you had one contract, you'll then have 20. And then you take the strike price and you divide that by the split quantity. Had a 3,000 strike call, that's now going to become the 150. And premium also is, of course, going to get divided by that same number. So if you were buying one call option that cost $200 a contract, really $20,000 in premium, divide that by 20, now it's $1,000 in premium. But of course, the split isn't going to take place now for a couple months. So what are we going to do until then? If you don't have enough capital to trade outright options, which can be very expensive in a stock like this, you can use spreads. Those lower your risk and they lower the cost. And they can also adjust the break-evens of a trade. And they also, in addition, allow for more nuance than simply buying a call or a put or selling a call or a put, which are essentially just a bet on a stock's direction. Carter, what are your thoughts on, on the direction? Well, I've got some charts that maybe we can figure that out together. There are two here. So the first uh, of the two, I just wanted to look at the sequencing of Amazon's current uh, sideways action in the context of preceding uh, instances like this. So this is a five-year chart. And what we know, of course, is that in 2017-18, um, Amazon effectively doubles. And you can see it there. And then it rests. It spends 18 months essentially doing nothing. And then it doubles again in the period March, uh, September of uh, 2020, coming off the COVID low. And now for another 18 months, it has basically been resting and consolidating. So here's the second chart. It the question is, right, is this some sort of top or is it just the pause that refreshes? And you'll have people making bets both ways, just as you'll be making bets that deer will or will not break out. My bet is that the consolidation phase is not at an end and that it just stays range bound here, but that purchases made for longer term uh, plans are going to be money good. All right. So with that in mind, Mike, how could we play this? So the expensive way would simply be to sell a straddle, sell a strangle. Something like that's going to cost, that's a, basically a 450 premium trade. That would be $45,000 you'd need to have in your account, and it can, carries with it considerable risk. So a way we can use a spread instead, one, is to buy essentially an at-the-money call calendar spread. I was looking at the uh, April-June call calendar. I was looking at the June 2960 calls spending about $224.20 a piece for those. That would be $22,420 in total. That's a lot of money. So if you sell the April 29 weeklies against it for $166.75, your net outlay is actually going to be $57.45. Multiply by that by the 100 shares, you're dealing with $5,745. 
But as you can see, that's about the cost of two shares. Maybe that is too much. Are there cheaper ways still that we can make a similar bet? And the answer is yes. We could look at that same April expiration and look at selling an iron condor. I was looking specifically at the 2680, 2700, 3240, 3260 uh, iron condor. So you're really just selling the 2700, 2680 put spread and you're selling the 3240, 3260 call spread. This can be usually entered as just one trade on most broker platforms. When I was looking at this, you could collect about half the distance between the strikes. So both of those two spreads are $20 wide, and you could collect very close to $10. Now, in this case, your total risk is also $10 a contract. So you know you multiply that by 100, and that's a $1,000 outlay or $1,000 in risk if it goes completely against you, and you collect $1,000 if it stays within those short strikes. Tony, what's your take? Yeah, so the way I'm looking at this, especially the chart, is the fact that Amazon has been in a downtrend since November. And despite this quote unquote good news of the stock split and an increase in share buybacks, the stock hasn't broken out above that downtrend. And that leads me to believe that Amazon will continue to drift lower here to the downside. No, I think this reflects the increase uh, or concerns from increases of labor costs and fuel costs for the company and what that will mean for margins. Uh, but I do believe that Amazon has a solid business and will be able to navigate this. So if you look at Mike's trade structure, both the calendar and the iron condor, these are the perfect strategies when you have a flat out neutral view on the underlying stock when it is in a high implied volatility environment like we currently see here in Amazon. But I will say that I have a bit more of a bearish view here. So I do think that for viewers who agree, you could make some adjustments here by changing that to a put calendar spread and shifting the strike prices a little lower. Or if you're using the iron condor, shifting the call strike prices a little bit lower, as long as they're still $20 apart, that will allow you to take a same neutral view in this high implied volatility environment with a slight bearish tone to it, if you will, or, or vice versa. If you disagree with me entirely and you have a more bullish view and you think Amazon's trading near the bottom of its trading range, as Carter is suggesting, then you can trade the same call calendar spread with slightly higher strike prices or moving the put strike prices higher on the iron condor. These are all minor adjustments you could make based on your outlook here for Amazon. All right. Up next, we are taking a look back on a farmer trade from January. More options action right after this. Welcome back to Options Action. Back at the end of January, Tony had put on a bullish trade in Merck. This stock has underperformed its sector over the past two years. But over the past few months, what we've seen is a bit of a bottoming formation called a double bottom. And that's since we've seen that double bottom formation, Merck's has outperformed its sector by 16% over the past two weeks. Going out to March, I'm selling the 80 by 75 put vertical here. Here I'm collecting about $1.81 as of earlier today, which is just about 37% of the width, taking a conservative approach that Merck's will trade higher here over the next month. Well, since then, the stock has bounced around, but now it's just above its break-even price just one week out from expiration. So, Tony, what would you do here? Yeah, that's exactly right. When you're near the break-even price and you're approaching expiration, you have a choice to make. Either close out the trade at effectively a break-even or roll out the trade. Now, if you look at the relative strength here for Merck, it still looks positive. I believe in the thesis of this trade, so I'm choosing to roll this trade out to the April 77 and a half. 72 and a half put vertical, similar trade structure, still $5 apart. I'm collecting about $1.50 on the close from today, and that will allow you to extend this trade for another month and play for a further upside here in Merck. 
All right. Up next, we got your tweets and the final call. Welcome back to Options Action. Time to take your tweets. Our first viewer asks, help me understand the thinking of bearish option traders on SoFi. There's been unusual activity during recent positive catalysts, such as the bank charter, the Super Bowl SoFi Stadium event, an excellent earnings report, and CEO insider buys. Carter, what do you say? This is a perfect example where you don't want to understand, meaning price is wisdom, wisdom is price. There's no such thing as positive or negative news. There's only news. And obviously, all the things they're saying, as good as they might sound, they're not good enough. Stocks at all-time lows. It looks like it's going lower. All right. Our next viewer asks, just exited a successful synthetic long on Cameco. Should I double down for another three months or so? So, Mike, you're just talking about uranium. Here you go. Uh, what do you say? Yes, this is the largest constituent of URA, and I definitely like uranium longer term. It does seem like it's bumping its head locally, though. High implied volatility. Use call spread risk reversals. That'll help avoid some immediate downside exposure. Yeah. Carter, do you have a view on uranium and the huge bounce it's seen? It's excellent. URA, CCJ, like them a lot. All right. Our next viewer asks, is there a winnable option strategy in Coinbase getting singed on March 200 calls, roll down and out, or, or head for the exit? Tony, it's a good question. Yeah, so our research team recently just abandoned a bullish call here for Bitcoin. I don't think this is the time to chase this higher. It's time to cut your losses and find better opportunities elsewhere. Yeah. Mike, your quick take on Coinbase. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is a, kind of a tough spot right here, and I think it's just basically a function of uh, the risky nature of, you know, the higher growth region. So I, I think I'd probably stay away. All right. It is time for the final call. Last word from the options pits. Carter Braxton Worth, what do you say? John Deere, poised to pop. <laughs> Tony Zhang. Sunshine for solar ahead. Sell a put vertical spread. All right. Mike Coe. For energy, I like uranium longer term, and I really like Deer right here. It usually performs very well when you see these commodity rallies. All right. Well, that does it for us here on Options Action. We'll be back next Friday, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. But do not go anywhere. A CNBC special, The Fed Decision, with Steve Leisman and Tyler Matheson, starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Edinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.